0: Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Build-A-Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Build-A-Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Build-A-Trend's project management platform for the last five years, And we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Build-A-Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, Visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. We are just a few months away from the Contractors Coalition Summit here in Scottsdale, Arizona. It'll begin on Sunday, May 7th and complete on Wednesday, May 10th. We had two events that were completely sold out last year. The first one in Nashville, second one in Huntington Beach with Nick Schiffer from NS Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction of Style. Again, make sure that you get out to Scott. So it's going to be an amazing event. We only have a few seats left and we're going to be speaking about all things, pricing, project management, how to make money inside and outside of your business, you know, contracts, client expectations, building that organization. And again, just the marketing aspect, social media. One of the most amazing values of this conference is not only the content that's produced and a lot of the information that's handed out to those that attend, but also the networking, being there with 30 like-minded builders around the country, being able to have a, someone to contact and reach out to on any questions you have moving forward. It is an amazing event. Hurry and sign up again. www.contractorscoalitionsummit.com. We'll see you in May.
1: I see these huge salaries, and I see salaries is eating up all of the, the profit. And it's like, how can we grow a company when I don't even see a savings account? How do you secure a purchasing decision if you don't have any savings? How do you secure a hiring decision if you don't have a savings? You know, so it's a lot of things that go into understanding where the company is from a revenue standpoint, where they want to go from a a growth standpoint. And I like to make it clear how all these things, you know, affect one another.
0: So welcome to the podcast today. I'm super excited. We have Tim Wingate with us. Welcome, Tim.
1: Hey, pleasure to be here, Brad. You know, I, I, I love the fact that I'm just here on this podcast with
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I, I know I mentioned this to you, but I was super excited to have you on. I think uh, this is one of those episodes where I get real amped up to have the guest on. I know you have yeah. a ton of information. It's super valuable stuff that all of us need. Yeah. And so I just, I, I don't want to take any other time. We got to get going. So Tim, <laughs> he is a construction accountant with G Plus F Business and Financial Consulting. Um, so maybe let me ask you this because a big thing for any company to be successful is the money, right? The financial and understanding, you know, the accounting side, we can get a lot of trouble and construction is very unique because, because we have whip work in progress, it can Mm -hmm. really create challenges for us as we're forecasting incorrectly. We could pay more taxes, pay too little taxes. So maybe Mm -hmm. we start with this, you know, when you think about construction accounting, how does that differ from traditional accounting?
1: I mean, it's very, very different. Being that we, first of all, need to understand managerial accounting and a form of that is job cost accounting, of course. And so we need to understand, okay, this is what's happening out there in the field. Now, how do we understand that in the back office? And then what does it say you know, to me as the accountant and also to the owner who may be the GC or the contractor? And so we need, to, we need to kind of like reading a book and understanding, like, what's the story? What's the storyline? And so that's what a construction accountant does. We come in and we're just not doing the book just to get the taxes done. No, we need to understand, like, how profitable uh, the projects are. You know, are you generating the right margins to, to, to make sure that we have enough to take care of, of the, or I should say, meet the desired operating margin? And that's like a term I kind of use. There's no really, you know, school term for that. Um, but because I think every industry, every business is going to have a different desired operating profit margin.
0: So, so let me ask you about that real quick. So, I mean, maybe before we get into the desired operating margin, this maybe have to do, especially with the fee business, right? Which many of us are in construction or interior design or architecture. Mm-hmm. Maybe before that, when you start thinking about, as you mentioned, managerial accounting and job costing. How important is it for any of your customers to understand ideally what their profit margin should be? And this is essentially what you're saying. They have to have a desired outcome to have a goal, right? Because this will allow you correctly to job cost the job as you're tracking hours to understand WIP, right? The work in progress you mentioned. How important is understanding that end goal and then setting up the contract? And then the biggest thing we deal with in construction is durations, right? We may have a guesstimate a profit margin of X in mm-hmm. 16 months, but the project takes 20 months. So <laughs> that's going to completely change, uh, you know, percentage, profit, tax, all those things along with it.
1: Yeah. So what we need to, to, to first look at it and let me make sure, cause it was kind of a loaded question. So I want to make sure it I is. Every, Sorry, everything. So what was the first
0: part? So essentially the first part is how important maybe we look at the overall context, how important is it to really dive in? And I know we'll get into KPIs, but should you understand the goal profit margin from the beginning, and then how do you you know overlay that with the, the timeline
1: perfect. of the project? Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so when I look at, there's two different profit margins, okay? We're dealing with project profit margins, and then we're also dealing with the company's profit margin. And so we need to start with the company's profit margin and understand where is it you want to take the company? I can't come into your business if you don't understand where the company is going and where you want to take the company, because your profit margin should kind of cater to that. And what I mean is, hey, if you want to be a $50 million construction company, then, you know, we can't have profit margins of maybe, you know, three or 4% in the if you're in the residential market, you know? So, or you can't not, you know, you can't be taking a huge salaries if you're trying to generate enough profit to save money for the company for its future growth you know so those are are, are are big things that big numbers that you need to understand and so that's where I like to focus on with with owners is saying hey where where are you going where's the vision because we need to make sure that our desired operating profit margin caters to that to that vision. And so that's the first thing.
0: So I, I guess to just reiterate what you're saying it is, Timothy, what's really important is that, and and I think a lot of people miss it, it's on a pro, on a job project, right? On a project margin, and we'll break mm-hmm. this down later, but let's say on this job, I make 18%. Okay, that's fine. This job, I make 14. This one's 16.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: that's not taking in. That's only job costing that job specifically. When you take in a, as you mentioned, overhead rent, You know, if you're not job costing your vehicles or computers or phones or or whatever it is, you may make that on the job. You could be netting 2% as a company. I mean, it could be 1%. It could be negative. I mean, it could be whatever that is. But essentially, what's interesting, and maybe this even speaks to your end goal, I I would imagine that the reason you want to understand the company's company margin or the company gross and net revenue goals is because, let's say my company, for example, I'm not selling, but mm-hmm. let's say that if I was preparing my company for sale over the next three years, I might be very cautious on extra expenditures, as you mentioned, salary, because I want to look, the margins look really good because that X factor, when I sell, it's going to be even better, that multiplier, if I'm watching these percentage. So essentially you're working with clients to understand what is your goal with the company and maybe, you know, so that you have cash to capitalize and build from.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because Most times when I get into the company, the first thing that I see that's going wrong is I say that the owner is stealing from the company. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I see these huge salaries and I see salaries is eating up all of the the profit. And it's like, what are we doing? How can we grow a company when I don't even see a savings account? Like, what, what are you allocating towards saving? What are you allocating towards company growth? You know, how do you even secure your, you know, um, a purchasing decision if you don't have any savings, how do you secure a hiring decision if you don't have a savings? You know, so it's a lot of things that go into understanding where the company is from a revenue standpoint, where they want to go from a, you know, a growth standpoint and, and just how all those things marry. And I like to make it clear and get the company and get the owner to understand how all these things marry together and how they, you know, affect one another. If, that you know, makes complete
0: sense. May, maybe expound on this because what's interesting is one comment that I picked up on. You just mentioned, you said, you know, and you use the term ceiling, which is kind of funny, but essentially <laughs> <laughs> their, their salary is so big that it's really hurting the company from growth. But you mentioned yes. savings for hiring or mm-hmm. PTO, maybe even PTO that you know, the cost, that people don't understand the PTO that you have to have cash on hand, right? So maybe walk through those examples of why you need dollars as you hire, you need dollars for PTO as you grow, why you need that revenue on hand.
1: Yeah. So first thing we need to understand is we need to understand that labor burden is a real thing and it's something for us to really focus on. And every person in your company costs you more than what you've offered them. And so that's what every business owner needs to first understand is how much does this person cost me, you know, and get down to, you know, the sense of that. And so, cause if you're buying new software, let's say for instance, and you know, this software requires four or five users. Now those users cost you money because each user has an expense that needs to be factored in, into the labor burden. So that way you understand that, hey, when I hire this new person, I got to give them user access to this new system. So it's going to cost me, it's going to up my subscription by another $15, 20 So now I got to add that into their labor burden rate. Um, If I'm going to offer PTO and give everybody, you know, five more days this year, what is that going to do to their labor burden? Workers' comp is changing, is going up. What is that doing? Um, I want to offer 401k this year. What is that doing? You know, so all these things need to be factored in. So understanding labor burden for every employee in your company, regardless they work in the field or out off the field, they need to have a later burden rate calculated for them.
0: So maybe without calling out any of your clients to put you on (laughs) spot, I know that any good, any, any good financial operator that if you looked at him, Tim, and you said, okay, Brad, what is mm-hmm. your labor burden, right? And they should be able to know to calculation, depending on the position, that X factor. And for example, let's say if it's, you're paying someone a $100,000 salary for easy math, that labor mm-hmm. burden could be 145,000, could be 156, maybe 163. Yeah. As, you, as you mentioned, when you start thinking about 401k, when you start thinking about match and health insurance and software is a great example, all these little, you know, a truck, a company's cell phone, a computer, mm-hmm. how many of the clients that you work with could tell you on the spot what their labor burden is
1: zero. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a shame, of my clients, because they know it now. You yeah. know, and those who are we are onboarding, we understand that we're going to get there.
0: But
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> but most of these guys, they they don't they just don't know these things. And I don't know if it's being taught inside. You know, the construction licensing course or oh
0: they're not teaching you this stuff <laughs> there ain't no i'm telling you they're not too you gotta it's school of the hard knocks right we gotta figure this out it. as we go through it so, <laughs> so um how, how valuable is that like what why you know as you start with labor burden how can that impact the success of a company
1: yeah because that that's when the numbers get really real and the contractor realizes man i need to slow down on how much of i'm spending maybe that new truck that i wanted I can just hold back from getting that today. They, it, it just, it just puts a pause on a lot of things, and I think that's a healthy pause to have, uh, especially for contracts, because we sometimes we get excited when we land those big contracts and they finish, and we, you know, we collect those big checks, eighty thousand dollars, twenty, you know, twenty thousand dollars, and then sometimes it's like, okay, now all of a sudden we can go out and do, you know, some big things that we've been wanting to do and that's where goal setting in the beginning and talking about the company vision, growth, you know, um, where they want to go for as growth, all that stuff needs to now line back up to what we want to do with this money and also what's what's the best use of it right now? Is it to hire this new employee or is it not? Um, can we afford to give them a raise right now? You know, those things like that, because sometimes you may feel like it's a good thing to do right now, or I need to, this guy, these guys have been working with me for 20 years, because sometimes I'm coming to companies that's been around for 20 years, and they say, these guys have been working with me for 20 years, so it's time to do, it's time for them to have a raise now. <laughs> well, right now, your profit margins and and, and things like that doesn't support it. And so confidently, I can tell you that it's not time right now. And But what we can do, we can work towards things and set things up so that way we can maybe do this next year or the year after. And I think that's, that's crucial is setting a baseline, saying this is our baseline. This is where we are. Now, where are we going? And let's plan for it now. I would tell people, you know, this is like a tax thing. When, we do it, when we're in tax season, tax season is not the time to tax plan. It's the time to actually just prepare the taxes. Whatever right. has happened has happened. It's not much we can do to change that. And so when we're in the beginning of the year, that's the time to plan for what we want to carry out for the rest of the year and what we want to carry out for the years to come with the company. So that way we can start to build these things out and it just allows the people to slow down. Like just slow down and talk about it, run it by your accountant, run it by your team, see, get some feedback. And that way we can make sound decisions. I'm all about that.
0: See, this is why from the very first question I asked you, the difference between general accounting or like normal accounting as opposed to construction, you have to have an expert such as yourself, Tim, who yeah. really understands <laughs> this. Because how many times, and the reason I asked about the burden rate, because I've heard from many contractors over the years that, you know, that... The, Bigger the company, more people doesn't always mean more money or more, you know, or less stress, right? Because a lot of times we're like, I just had more people, more burden, more, and I just wasn't making any money because essentially when you get down to the core of it, you know, it's breaking this labor rate down. How important is it for you when you're working with your one is of course educating them on the burden rate so they can understand and answer that, as you mentioned Mm -hmm. after they're working with you. But how important is it to just, as you think about the overall company, right? Marketing budgets. You know, travel, continuing mm-hmm. education, um, you know these things all play a role. As you talk about giving a raise, uh, bonuses—I mean, there's things you can do to accrue in January. So instead of going to December and saying how much money do we make, well, maybe we start accruing a percentage or something in January, so that, right, so yeah. that by the end of year we can actually do something for our employees and we've actually planned for it.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's very important to do to do those things, and we. <sighs> I hope this is answering your question, but we just we got to stop making just rash decisions and very fast decisions. And sometimes that's very hard to do. Is and I know I've mentioned this so many times because my dad is a contractor, so this is this is where I I understand. And they're just <laughs> used to making these quick decisions because they're used to being in the field. I got to make a fast decision, you know, because the, the 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 supplies haven't gotten here on time or this hasn't gotten here. But you don't make the same decisions when it comes to the company and its future and 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 what you want to see come from it so we got to just slow things down and just plan and save 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 i got i got to drive that home we got to save money if you're not saving money that should be a big red flag if you can't save money that should be a big red flag
0: so how do let me ask this because this could be a mental aspect that probably really challenges you, Timothy, with your clients is that when you're working with a client and you know we understand that as a business owner you're taking a lot of risks there's a lot of stress you're working a lot of hours right you're building a business, so there may be some business owners that think, "Hey, I deserve this or I'm entitled to this salary you know mm-hmm. how How do you address that concern with working with someone to to show them the benefit of saving or at least position their company where they have dollars to save, that it could benefit in the long term if they can just understand in the short term.
1: Sometimes it's, I look at my, my at my role as sometimes being a a, a, a therapist, because you know? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I got to sit them down and just say, hey, let's 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 take a, a, a look at this. First, let's clean up your book so that way we can understand where you are. Cause sometimes they can't even they can't even see that or they haven't seen it in years. So let's understand that. And then I let the numbers do the talking. So I'm big on hey, let's we can map out you taking a hundred and fifty thousand dollar salary. Let's map that out. Let's see what happens to the profit. Let's see, can you save any money? Oh, you can't. Oh, you're only left with a hundred dollars at the end of the month, every month, for the next twelve months. That's only twelve hundred dollars. What are you going to do with that? What can you do with that? If a if if an emergency comes up, how are you going to respond? And a lot of times, they respond with tapping into a loan or a line of credit or these type of things, and that's a big no-no. You know, when you're trying to grow a company and when you're in the hot seat. When you're in the hot seat, that means you need to change some other things. That means you need to cut back on expenses. You need to probably do some better with your sales. Take a look at your marketing. Take a look at um, how your schedules are running. Are you meeting schedule on the job sites? You know, it's a, it's just a lot of little things that you need to kind of tighten up on before you start just tapping into you know, a loan or a line of credit, which so many, you know, some of them and the guys I meet with, that's what they do first.
0: That's interesting. Would you, would you recommend, uh, cause you mentioned that cash, I mean, essentially cash is king, right? Ideally they're saving or they should be in a position where they're saving money. Mm-hmm. Um, do you recommend that the contractors as a backup plan, maybe have, maybe they're not using the line of credit, but at least they have a relationship with the bank. How important is that banking relationship for any business uh, you know, especially in a cash flow company that we're in, you know, where labor's high and you're waiting on deposits at times and, you know, it's, it's, it's it <laughs> cash, you know, it could be a tough thing to hit that payroll every Friday.
1: Yeah. So a line of credit should be tapped into, and it's, it's very strategic to have a line of credit. I recommend that all my companies have a line of credit, but it's there when you know the money's coming. Yeah, I, I want to drive that home. Is there to use when you know the money is coming? It's meaning that they approve that payment, that pay app. It just it's going to take thirty days to get here, and so now I'm just going to tap into this line of credit and use that. Once the pay app gets you know gets here and gets in my bank, then I'm going to pay that line of credit back down. That's what we should use it for. Now, like when we talk about being credit worthy to a bank, you know, take care of your personal. If your personal is jacked up, the bank is, is, is going to hurt you on a loan, loan application. If the business not showing any profits, that's going to hurt you on a loan application. If the tax returns don't match the P and L and balance sheet, it's going to hurt you on a <laughs> on a pay app, on a loan application. Right, you know so. These are a lot of things that need that needs to line up. And I'm big on I don't even prepare taxes for people who don't even have, you know, accounting software. This it's I want to take you on as a client because I know how important it is to have those things in line. And when we're talking about growth and when we talk about things that you want to accomplish, usually a line of credit or a loan is is one of them, one of those things that you want to get. And you got to have these things in line. And I get so many people that come to me, I just need you to prepare my taxes. Well, where's your books? Oh, I usually just hand, you know, my guy all my bank statements. Nah, that's not me. I can't take you on. Sorry. If we're going to, I can take you on if you're going to give us the books, we're going to clean them up so that way the books match the tax return. And then we go from there and start to make, make improvements from there. But that's, so, the, that's step,
0: step one. Yeah, step one. I mean, so essentially, you're, you're not so much like, hey, you have to use a certain accounting software, but you better at least be job costing and tracking so you can come in and essentially clean it up or educate, you know, and consult and, and be successful because you want to be successful in your line of work. And if they're not at least working towards that, it's going to be an impossible task for you to meet that expectation.
1: Very impossible. Very impossible and frustrating for me and the client. So
0: let me ask you this. I... I what are two things that construction owners should understand about their business?
1: The two things they should understand is, number one, they should understand how to estimate. Because you lose a ton of money doing the estimation process. And there's a lot of guys out there who have you know sizable companies, but they don't know how to estimate. And they're doing big jobs, but very small margins. They're stressed out. Working a lot of hours, those type of things, because they just don't do well with estimating. The other two, the other thing is, and it's amazing, you know, some of these things are like kind of non-counted related, but um, needs to understand the critical path of a, of a schedule because getting the schedule complete on time is so crucial to making sure that you're going to meet the margin you set out for that project. If the schedule flies so far off, and I'm going to use builder trend terms here, like if you have a lot of customer variances and builder variances, you know, then that's kind of that can throw a schedule off completely. And you need to make sure that you're still profitable in that um, when those variances come up. But you need to understand, I need to make sure that this happens so that way, when it's time for this to happen, it can happen. And if I need to put more job, more men on the, on this, on this phase of the job, then let me do that. So that way we can get it done and be ready for the next phase. So, you know, it's, it's amazing too. Sometimes a lot of these guys are not really good schedulers.
0: It's interesting you bring that up. So, you know, it's funny as you, I, I think a lot of us, you know, become more seasoned in business, right? I feel that way now, especially as I have one thing I love about the podcast, Tim, is to bring guests such as yourself that are like super educated, knowledgeable that like make us better business owners and and being fortunate to network with you. Like these are things I understand even more today. When I started my company 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't understand, or I shouldn't say, I don't understand. I did at the time, <laughs> the, the value of estimating, right? How mm-hmm. crucial, because as you mentioned, it's not just creating uh, an expectation that's realistic for the client and for the budget and the end goal, but it's also being able to hire the right trade partners and subcontractors and suppliers that can perform, meet our timelines, right? There's so much that goes into this, you know, understanding the numbers so that I can use that database and I can track it for the next one. Um, Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, when you start getting into scheduling to understand, again, nothing's clean in construction. What I mean is it's not like I start January 1 and then I'm done December 31st. It doesn't happen. I have jobs that are six months, you know, 14 months, 28 months, 36 months. So when you're carrying these costs through year to year, you have to really understand what's, and this goes back to me getting a conversation. I have to understand what the goal of percentage was, so I can and, and have a database and have estimating and understand that manpower, so that when I have a coordinator and a superintendent and a labor and a project manager that are overseeing this project and they're billing hourly, and I do cost plus just to be open. So, I mean, okay. I am doing cost plus. I am tracking yep. this. I am doing time cards, but at least I can sit in front of a client in the estimating process and say I am pretty confident that my supervision labor for your project is going to be X because here is my data. I've been tracking it. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, so over the term, I have a really good idea of what my net profit is. The owner knows how I'm paid. And I don't know how I didn't operate like this in the beginning, but it it just takes time, (laughs) right? Because I I made some of these mistakes you're speaking of where I would hire for someone. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, you're going to pay him a hundred grand. Perfect. You know, I got this new job. We're going to do great. And then you're like, why am I not making money?
1: (laughs) That's the question that most contractors have. Why am I not making money?
0: This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick, their their company culture, their integrity, their honesty you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra-contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So, For anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. So maybe it goes to this because I know one thing you're big on is KPIs. And so, you know, key performance indicators Mm-hmm. You know what are when you think about the financial, maybe you don't get in the weeds, but what are key performance indicators, KPIs? Why should contractors have KPIs that work for their company, and how should they use them?
1: Yeah, KPIs are very important. I mean, sometimes they save you legally, and and then sometimes you know, what I mean, They're what do you mean by that you? legally?
0: I'm I'm curious, real quick, if I interrupt you.
1: Yeah. So like. One thing is, it's like trainings. When we're talking about safety trainings, those type of things. And if you got, you know, signed documents, how many people took, have taken the training, how many people have completed the training, um, who has not completed the training, those type of things can come up to bite you later if there's ever a workers' complaint, you know, and there's a lawsuit that follows that, um... You know I've seen that so you know so many times just you know with my father and then also with you know some of the companies I work with so having documented trainings is so is so important um and 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 monitoring that who who has completed and who hasn't and so that's that's one piece the other piece is you know find i, I would say like even bidding, I would track who I have won a bid with and what was my profit margin with that person. And with doing that, you're going to start to find some common things. Um, This person has an appetite for 40% margins. Versus, you know, person client number two may only have an appetite for twenty percent margins. So you can start if you start to track um, track that data, and then if they both come to the table again to you for a repeat business, you may want to, you know, you know, <laughs> number one, you may want to go with uh, client one versus client two. The other, the other piece is too, is you now know how to bid this project with client one versus client two. Don't give client two, you know, show them 40% margins, which could, you know, the markets could be anything. I don't know what, what the markets would be to get you that 40%, but because they may not have an appetite, you may be going back and forth with them around it. But if you, but it also can help you too, if you don't have any projects lined up and then you need that project. And long as that 20% or 25% margin still gets you some, you know, some margin to help you take care of operating costs, then I can still bid that project as so and take it on, knowing that the margin gonna be lower, but I'm still gonna make a profit and I'm still gonna keep my guys, you know, working and keep business moving. So those are some some KPIs I like to kind of look at. Um, and then also from just a a, a a sure financial standpoint, just are we meeting the desired operating profit margin? You know, month to month. So if we're not, then we kind of know what the quarter is going to end up. So we should already kind of know what's getting ready to happen and we can start to plan for that and we can start to maybe take on saying, hey, you may be putting out a lot of biz at 40%. We may need to dial that down, you know, to 35% 30% so we can get some jobs on the books so we can, can still meet a part, you know, a portion of that profit margin that we're looking, you know, we're looking for. And then we're baby because there's sometimes things are just seasonal or it's just for whatever reason a certain time of the year that things are just not happening for you. But you still need to make sure that certain KPIs are being monitored and then and then are healthy as well.
0: I I, I love that you broke that down that way. What's interesting is you actually led off with the safety aspect of liability when I asked you about that. And that's really interesting, the safety side for the KPI. Uh, the bidding is is really important. And the the point you made that I do want to touch on is. You know, I, I know some of the bigger companies, they, they have a goal. They, they have a, they really track this information as, as you mentioned, Timothy, where they say, okay, if I'm, if I'm bidding, because some of them maybe aren't negotiated work and so they're bidding in the market, but the, the, if they're bidding, let's say 10 million a month, they mm-hmm. may contract 3 million. So they may have a goal over the year to say, we're, we're going to do 36 million a year. So that means I need to bid, you know, essentially 120 million, which is going to turn into 3 million a month, 12 months. Right. I, then i mm-hmm. that 36 and then we keep operating and so th- that's one way to do it or as you mentioned you said hey if you really understand your numbers and ideally if if you're trying to hit 40% and but at the same time it's not like every job that's going to come across your plate will be 40% so you may have to you know just keep that float going you know keep the flow going and so you may have to do a job at 20% but at least if you understand your numbers and margin and you have these KPIs which i can tell you on early in my career i i did not and I'm just being open here. When he said, <laughs> "I love it." When he said, "Brad, you have to have a month-to-month understanding of your profit margin per job." I, I, I wasn't doing that. I do that now, right? Yeah. And we have our KPIs, and we're tracking this. And this is something that my control and I have really worked on mm-hmm. because it really, I've. Why did I do this before? I, I, I don't know, but I can tell you that anyone listening, if you are doing month-to-month KPIs tracking your profit margin per job. And again, as you mentioned early in the conversation, understanding the overall company goal, it's going to really help you track financially, you know, to be healthy as a company.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Um, That's very important, Brad. I'm just glad that you're being honest with with these guys who, (laughs) who, you know, because, you know, AFT, you guys do great, great work. And I know a lot of guys look up to you. And so for them to understand that, hey, Brad, you know, he was in the same position that I was in at one point. Right. And, and and wasn't doing these things until, you know, he got some education maybe from his accountant or whoever it was who he looked up to or, or who mentored him. And they just need to understand that they they you had to reach out for help, Brad. I'm sure it, it didn't just, you know, fall in your lap. You know, you had to say, something's going wrong, and I need some help. This is not an area of strength. So let me go out and find someone who can help me.
0: Well, where have you been all my life? This would have been a lot better <laughs> ten years ago, Tim. <laughs> I could have saved like a lot of issues and pitfalls early in my career if, if you would have got a hold of me sooner. Um, let me ask you this: one one thing that I, I think is a challenge for all of us. I, you know, I just before we got on this call, I do a leadership meeting with my leadership team, and it's mm-hmm. been hugely valuable, right? To just understand there's a lot of things on the day to day that they bring up and we're trying to, you know, it's like every day as a company, we're trying to better everything from the field to the office, to the organization communication. And it's just little things that they, they come up. Oh, we need to fix that. Okay. Let's try this. How, how can a company better organize the field to the back office? Because it can still be chaotic, especially financially change orders. You know, someone's in the field trying to get the job done and they're just making decisions. And then now accounting's like, what, like where's the change order who approved this like who and so how how can companies better organize that aspect
1: Brad great question this is a must for every <laughs> construction company out there you need a project management system that's the only way to get ahead that's the only way to keep your head attached to your body is to get a project management system Um, I've worked with, you know, build a trend, heavy job, Procore, you know, so those are some of the systems that I've worked with in, in, in the past and some of my systems I still work with, but you got to have that. Even for me as an accountant, I have a project management system and it's called carbon. And that's how I manage all the clients that I, I take on because it's impossible for me to remember all the Fine details that need to happen with a specific client if I don't have a project manage- management system where I've documented that information. And I got to have that where it's clean communication between me and the client. It's all organized in one, in one spot. And that's what a project management system does for a construction company. Now the office can talk with the field and they both understand what's happening. And then also, if you're serving a client, the client understand what's happening. And so if you train your staff and the clients to communicate and talk to you through the project management system, nothing is lost. No communication is dropped. And everything flows so much more smoother. And I just can't stress it enough. You got to get your a PM system. So
0: I, I would imagine, especially as you're doing these diagnostics and, and me with these companies and consulting, you already alluded that when you're interviewing them, you know, none of them understand the burden, right? Which is totally understandable. That's mm-hmm. why they're coming to you and they're, they're working on this. What you're speaking to is really understanding, you know, systems. As companies, We have to have systems, processes, they have to be documented. Project management software is huge to help us do that and correct that. What, you know, as, as you look at all the companies that you work with, how does that work from top to bottom? And what I mean by that is a company that really understands KPIs, that is really track, tracking job costing. Is it usually reflective in the field that they typically have systems and organization project management that mirror that? And so that's a good example to show you that, Hey, this company knows what they're doing because if I know they understand the money side, I know they understand the operations and field side.
1: It starts top down. So, Whosoever the, the contractor is, they have to buy in and say, this is, this is what we, we need to do and, and what we're going to do. And I know we may be old school in certain things, but we got to come to the 21st century. We got to understand that technology needs to be infused into our construction company. And that's the only way that we're going to get ahead. That's the only way we're going to get a leg up. You know, I remember when I started small, one man show, the only way i had a leg up is because i had better technology than the other accountants and because i was able to serve them more efficiently so that's where you got you got to have so when i see these construction companies that have the project management systems even if it's not working perfectly you're not you're not using every part of it but you still you know you're fighting through it that's a good sign of a good client and someone who's going to be able to make the jump or make the leap and, and and grow their company very, very easily. Uh, the ones who are abrasive to the thought of um, bringing on a PM system and, you know, who say, well, I, I've been doing it this way. You know, I have my Excel spreadsheet formulas that I've been figured out, you know, over 20 years. <laughs> Trust me, that Excel spreadsheet cannot be or cannot be compared to the project management systems that they have out today and so if you got a good implementer and someone who can help you walk through it which is kind of what we do we we're a very family oriented uh company where we we hold the hands of our of our con- construction owners and, and say hey we will help you understand this part i, can, I got loom videos galore of how <laughs> <laughs> of how many times i've had to You know, explain a process or give them some training, something, you know, something like that. It's just being open minded to the idea of this is what I need to grow my company. And I'm just going to fight through it. And I'm going to make it sure that this company can run without me. The company cannot run without you if you don't have the right systems in place, period. So,
0: so along that line, I mean, since you're kind of alluding to this, but what can contractors do today to fix that profit
1: margin? To fix that profit margin, the first thing you need to do is get a baseline of where you are today. Because without having that, it's no, it's nothing to fix. We don't know what to fix. Um, the other thing is to start a, taking a look at, some of your old project. If you have some data on your old projects, it's hard to look at that and see how much did I mark that mark that labor up, that that equipment cost, that subcontractor cost, that you know, material cost for that particular job, and then look at what what margin did it yield, and and let's see, was that something that was done consistently? Will we yielding you know um, similar margins? And so understanding that data will help you now bid the next project better. And this is something that gets better over time. Estimating is an art. You know, it it gets better over time, but you have to have somewhere to, you know, to start and you got to have a baseline. And so those are things that I highly recommend that anyone who's looking to make a change in their business today is to review that data, Go to some of those old projects, see what the margins were, get your books clean so you can see where your, your baseline is for the company today, and that way, and, and start to keep track of those things now, because now that you have good data, you can make changes month to month, and you can make the right changes with confidence.
0: Interesting. I I, I love that you brought that, because essentially, it's understanding, okay, the data, the old projects is huge for the future. You know, how, how we understand that, and then we can use that, you know, and, and then really understand our baseline today. Um, as you look at the companies are being, that are successful that you've been working with and consulting, are you seeing what are they doing different, right? You mentioned systems as part of that. Is there anything else that they're doing different, which is leading to that success?
1: They, they're diving in head first into systems. I mean, that's the big thing. And then their mindset is, I got to do things different. So mindset is a, another huge shift. Then they're also getting help. They're not, being, they're, they're, they're not letting themselves be the only one doing everything. It's saying, hey, I don't do marketing well. Let's work with a copywriter. Let's work with um, someone to get with my website and clean up my logo, clean up all this other stuff. And handle that. Let me get an email address that has my domain, <laughs> you know, on the back of it instead of the Gmail or Yahoo or Hotmail, you know, those type of things. Um, it's just saying that hey, I'm not great at everything about my business, so I want to f- focus on working in the areas that I have to work in today, just to get it done. But things that I can outsource, let me outsource it. Things that I can hire, let me. You know, hire for that, and and just start to build a team. That's the best thing that you can do is just start to build a team. If you've been around for twenty years, you're in position. To yeah,
0: I would team. agree. I you know one thing that you when you speak about that, I under, And I had a guest on. I mean, I'm trying to remember. It had to been maybe a year ago, and he said that if someone could perform at sixty percent of your capacity, you should sub you know sub that out. And I was like. I mean, it's yes. pre- pretty tough to us, you know, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, business owner, you know, too many of us want to handle everything and micromanage and be involved, but, but essentially hiring qualified people that can take yeah. that off and finding the right experts. I mean, it's just going you know, to that, that growth will happen, but something that really comes into play. And essentially, this is the whole context of the conversation here is understand the budget because you have to understand your margins. So I know when I can hire a marketing person or a salesperson, or I can add to the estimating department mm-hmm. or add to the field or to the accounting department. Um, additionally, as you think about, you know, hiring, how, you know, you mentioned that companies should have savings to hire, which probably most people have never thought about that. You know, when, when should a company understand mm-hmm. when's the right
1: time to hire? The right time to hire is when you can afford to pay that person's salary for a year, because you really got to give, even if they're a seasoned individual, they they're skilled, they still have to come in and adjust to your company culture. They still have to adjust to the systems that you have in place. Um, there's a lot that needs to happen for them to even show you that they're going to be, you know, a huge value to the company or start to actually bring you extra revenue into the company. And so, if you're not prepared to pay them for a year, then that's probably, a, you know, a big, big yellow, you know, yield caution sign that says, oh, we may can't afford this right now. And so I like to have a year's worth of salary in the bank for that person. So that way I know that I gave them a fair shot at being successful in my company. It's
0: interesting because essentially what you're breaking down is that with a year, we all understand that there's going to be time for them to ramp up, to understand, to be trained, to perform, and then they may have qualifications that may be highly skilled. But as you mentioned, there's company culture, adaptation, training of software, how we do things as a company. So there has to be at least a runway there that they can build to over the next 12 months.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Otherwise, you know, you're just setting them up for failure. And then you may be, you know, you may make a decision to get rid of them for whatever reason. And then you may have lost a really good person, you know, who would have been great for your team. They just didn't have the time. Um, allotted to them to perform in a way that you were expecting.
0: what what is the cost to replace? I'm gonna ask you that because I mean maybe not the actual cost, but <laughs> you, you mentioned that maybe you know too many of us kick them off the pier and say sink or swim right? and we we don't have process, we don't have training, we don't mm-hmm. have system, we don't have a landing zone, we don't set expectations for them just like anybody, right? For any relationship to be successful. Mm-hmm. What is the cost for a company that has to continue to hire and train?
1: That is so expensive. And let me tell you how expensive it is. It's sometimes two to three times their salary. And what I mean by that is what you have paid them up to that point when you have let them go, you may have to pay that again two or three times. Um, Because, again, we're talking about the ramp up, the training, the time that's being spent. Um, All that stuff is costing the company And it's sucking you dry because who's doing the training, who's doing, you know, the hiring, who's doing the mentoring, Um, all those things that's costing the company something, even if it's something that's intangible that you can't see with your, you know, with your eyes. But the fact that I'm the owner or I have someone who's close to me as an admin or, or whomever who's doing training and mentoring and you know, just building this person up and getting them ready to be valuable, you know, to the company—that's money being spent every day. On I love
0: it. that you shared that it could be two, three times the salary, and I—I I will actually completely agree with that. And the reason being is that you think about, you know, for someone to onboard the training, right? So I'm taking people who are, already have jobs and responsibilities. They're training. And if that person leaves or doesn't pan out and we got to hire again, now they're training, you essentially could have multiple people doing training that aren't performing in their normal duties, right? And then you're trying to get someone up to speed. And so you're now exhausting, you know, the overhead of many, many people in the company.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So hire slow, (laughs) fire fast, but definitely... Put together a nice training program to onboard a new employee so that way they can, you know, really be successful with your company and then over-communicate the scorecard to them. Their their employee scorecard needs to be over-communicated. This is how you win here at my company. We look at these five things, these 10 things. If you're executing these well, you're going to be doing perfect.
0: Okay. I, I need to do this now. Find so, <laughs> so what's funny about, you know, I've heard, you know, hire slow, fire fast, right? I've heard, um, you know, for, yeah. for people to really have good company culture and have be real successful. And I've said it before on the podcast is you knew they had to have mm-hmm. two things. They have to believe in the brand or the company or the product or or and they have to understand their scope. They have to understand. But what's interesting is you broke that down even further It's one thing to understand expectations, but you said over-communicate scorecard. And I think that's really understanding. I mean, that's very understandable for me and anyone listening is that if they have a scorecard of five to 10 things that I need them to do, like, and that I'm tracking them Mm -hmm. and I laid that off for them, there's no reason they can't come in and at least, you know, they're going to build on that, but at least they have a core, you know, training system and core expectation that they can work on.
1: Absolutely. And they're gonna give them so so much more confidence. They're gonna be excited because they may look at those things and say, Oh, I'm gonna nail it. I'm gonna kill it. You know? And to know exactly what I'm being graded on, I mean, what's the worst than going into a class and being tested on something that you've never seen in your life? And you don't even like, hold on, you you're gonna test me on this? And I had why you why you didn't prepare me? And so this is what that scorecard does. It prepares them for the test. And I hope, you know, these companies are also doing performance evaluations because you find a lot of companies who take a back seat to that because it's just a lot of work. It's the it's it's the mentor, but that's our position as owners of the company, we need to be mentoring those who we are onboarding and constantly constantly coaching and mentoring and understanding and giving them feedback and allow them to give us feedback um, of how well we are coaching and mentoring them and how well they are meeting or exceeding the standards. So how
0: often are your customers paying attention? Because you mentioned the cost, you know, the opportunity cost, the the dollar cost of, you know, acquisition of good people, good talent. How does that play a role when we think about customer acquisition, right? As we're looking for... Uh, Chasing the right customer, the right lead, you know, the amount of time, you know, how important is that for people to understand the cost to attract a client, to secure a client, to market to a client?
1: That's so, so very important because number one, you need to get clear on who your client is, you know, and and that needs to be a clear thing. Like for me, it's very clear who my client is. I'm a construction accountant. So, my clients are in the construction industry. If you are a plumber, do you do commercial plumbing? Do you only do rough plumbing? Do you do, you know, uh, sorry, finished plumbing? Um, if you're an electrical contractor, are you what, what type of do you do residential, commercial? You need to, that, needs, that message needs to be clear. So I recommend that everybody spend a lot of time getting with a copywriter. I'm not, I don't, I don't write my stuff. You know, I have a copywriter who, who's written all my stuff. You know, we talked and, and conversed about it, but they made sure that who I'm targeting, my website speaks to them. My business card speaks to them. My brand, you know, speaks to them. Like Everything that I'm saying speaks to them. And so spending, the, spending the, the, the right money up front with the right person in the right order, because some people want to go out and do Google ads before they got a copywriter or go out and get a uh, um, Google ads done before they get a website. You know, you can't do these things out of order. There's an, there's an order to this thing if you want to save money. <laughs> so um, that's important and and understanding where i need to be spending my money today so that way it can gain me you know more revenue tomorrow and um I'm yeah 100% question, Brad. I, 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 <laughs> no you are
0: let, let me ask so your dad's yeah. a contractor of course he may say tim i yeah. want you to take over the family business you're like no way i'm be, i'm going to consulting financial maybe not what yeah. what led to the direction you're in today
1: It's, it's funny, the, the role went a little different. Um, first, graduated college, went in banking for a year, left banking, came to my grandmother's nonprofit organization, was the CEO and CFO of that organization for six years, went through about nine different uh-huh. lawsuits, uh, went through a, <laughs> a lot of different things, and we had three locations, 37 employees. Everybody was able to be my mom and aunt and you know who worked for me. And so I had to learn a lot of things very, very quickly, and quickly learned that okay, nonprofit is not for me. Needed to move in for-profit arena. Understood that I had a certain skill set that I could bring, you know, to an industry which was the accounting industry. And then the accounting industry was very wide open for me. I didn't niche down right away, but then as I got into the industry, I realized I needed to niche down because. It got very, very confusing and very hard to serve every industry very, very well. And so what was the low-hanging fruit for me? It was construction because my dad, I've been around that for all of my life. And so he's been licensed since 1984. And so who better to mentor me of you know, what my client will want and what do they need and some of the pitfalls that they they may have fallen into or may getting ready to fall into and those type of things. So I just had that direct mentorship from him on, and I just got better and better at serving the construction industry because of the mentorship from my dad. That's That's interesting. I was was gonna ask
0: if you felt like you had a unique uh, advantage, especially if you built your business, just having the background in construction that you did.
1: I did, I did because I mean, I think anyone can dive into this thing and, and learn it. It's just it may be a little tough, but you gotta you gotta absorb everything construction. All of my podcasts are constructions, construction podcasts. I'm listening to construction podcasts, I'm reading construction books, I'm understanding, you know, I'm reading the construction audit manual for the IRS. You know, I'm just doing a lot of different things uh, to help, you know, just strengthen my 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 skill set. In, in this industry so I can serve the client well. And so you just got to, you just got to dive face deep in it and you can do it. You can do it. So hopefully that encourage any other accounts. It's amazing. Managers.
0: So how's your business growing? I mean, you personally, <laughs> I, of course, you've helped all those you consult grow their business and be more profitable and understand the business internally. Yeah. How's that look
1: for you? It's been looking great. I've been able to bring on employees, you know, I'm 100% virtual, and so that was another thing that was unique about me, is I didn't want to have the traditional, you know, walk up office. I said because I want to serve construction all across the country, and I believe I could do that with the right systems in place. And so, because I've had the right systems in place and those type of things, I've gotten opportunities like to serve on into Intuit, into its tax council. I sat on there for three years. I'm doing my four, fourth year there, so got a chance to you know, meet with their leadership team, got a chance to meet with the CEO of Intuit and have lunch with him. And, you know, so a lot of things have opened up for me because I just been consistent and in my pursuit of just excellence and, you know, what I'm doing for the so
0: industry. Let l- me ask you this, because what's interesting is, as you mentioned, you kind of had to figure out your niche, right? Your niche as as an accountant, and so, of course, construction industry, because you understand the difference of construction accounting and you've had a great mentor in your father, um, even then, I mean, construction is wide open. You have commercial and residential and production and spec builders and cost plus and subcontractors and trade partner. How has that focus changed? You know, do you work with all of them? Is Have you, have you tried to dial in or target a certain aspect of the construction uh, accounting
1: industry? Yeah, so... Most of my guys are either doing high-end spec homes, or they're doing commercial jobs. And a lot of the ones who are doing the commercial jobs, they're more likely the subs because the subs are the guys who are very busy, um, have a usually have a huge labor force, and they just need a lot of help, you know. And so those are some of the guys that I'm working with on the on the, on the uh, commercial side. And then I have some some site prep guys as well. And so, but residential, either high-end remodelers or high-end, you know, spec home builders um, seem to be a best fit for That's me.
0: amazing. So let me ask you this. What do you do for fun?
1: Oh, what? golf. Golf. I actually Good today. for you. How's the handicap? <laughs> uh, I'm a weekend <laughs> golfer, so, you know, I'm going to say my score is going to average around high 80s. Yeah, it's 80s. awesome. So that, but, that, but, that'll be But when you get yeah, to that point, me.
0: like it's fun. Like golf is really fun. That you're, It is because like yeah, you can actually you control most of your shots, you know, and and uh, at least you're in play. You're not losing a ball yeah. at that <laughs> point, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> No, I'm not losing the ball every hole. I I can play around the ball, around the golf with one ball. So that's good. That's a huge thing.
0: Isn't it funny (laughs) you think about that for anyone that golfs? You're like, I just made it through the round and I played the same ball. You know, that's, that's a huge win.
1: Same ball. (laughs) That's awesome. So, so golf's fun.
0: Um, What else, what else do you do? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Golf, basketball, um, pianos. So, I, I, I yeah. So I, I've been playing the piano since I was seven. So it's just something that's, always been a part of me. And yeah, so those are those are the main things that I do for fun and my and playing, you know, a ton of sports with my kids. I got three boys. So they're very, very active and and um all of them are into sports. One of them is in the music, which is yeah fun. You know, so I get to enjoy that. And that those are my fun times. And then definitely, you know, spending time with the wifey and you know having our time alone, away from the boys. That's always great. And so we'll actually we'll actually be in Scottsdale.
0: Um, well, well, let me know. You need to yeah, you need to email April. me because hopefully our schedules can align. We can get together. So.
1: Oh, that'd be great! Great. I heard Scottsdale has there some great is golf some courses. Good- so <laughs> I gotta try to see.
0: Yep, there's some great <laughs> courses, and and fortunately in April it's still nice. You know, July maybe not so much, but it's still a good time to come out here and play. So. It's oh, a, li- a little okay. too hot in the summer. Okay. So
1: yeah, that sounds good. We know how yeah. to get by. Come on now. We we used to Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: well, Timothy, I can't thank you enough. You've been amazing. So for those listening, those who are looking at at you know, getting their business on track, understand how to make profit, you know, get job costing, no better than going to you, the expert. Where can they find you?
1: They can find me at constructionfinancialblueprint.com. constructionfinancialblueprint.com. Um it's a a blueprint is where I do most of the work, you know, I call it a, a financial blueprint. That's when I dive in deep into your business and your organization and find out how we can help you. So it's like, you know, going to the doctor and getting a CAT scan.
0: Yep. <laughs> getting the full CAT scan, the MRI, and then figuring out the full diagnostic so you yeah. can get them back on track.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, and
0: any other social media, other handles, LinkedIn, anywhere else they can find you?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'll say, me personally, I'm active on LinkedIn, and then you'll see, you know, some stuff being posted on Instagram from us, um, Facebook as well. That's pretty much it. We're not really on the TikTok and those type of things, but LinkedIn. Oh, my YouTube page. Go def- definitely can check that out. You know, so at G plus F, you know, YouTube has a thing that you yeah. can put the at sign now. So yeah, at G plus F. Um, you can find my YouTube channel and you can see some videos that we put out. We put a lot of information up on like, you know, what we do, how we do it, um, that type of thing. And, you know, get some fun stuff on there too. So, Well,
0: Timothy, you've been amazing. Can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom today and really appreciate you coming on.
1: Brad, thank you for having me on. I was so excited to be here and I'm happy. I'm <laughs> to the air. <laughs> Same here. So thanks again, Timothy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favor to ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them, as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics, We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support, and we'll see you next time.